0: The BRICS bloc is inundated with applications. The group of five major emerging economies, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa has attracted some 20 other countries to join. After Argentina, Iran and Algeria applied last year, Egypt, Ethiopia and Bangladesh submitted their applications weeks ago and Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates and Nigeria and more are. up. Anil Souklal, ambassador to the group from South Africa, which hosts this year's BRICS presidency, said in April that 13 countries have formally asked to join and another six have asked informally. We're getting applications to join every day. Meanwhile, French President Emmanuel Macron has expressed the wish to be the first Western leader to be invited to a BRICS summit. So what's driving these countries to join the platform? what difference will it make for the group and these countries and how will it impact the world as brisk, com- brisk countries are set to contribute more to the global economy than the G7 I'm pleased to be joined from New Delhi, India by Swaran Singh, Professor of International Relations at the Jawaharlal Nehru University from Beijing by Zhang Xiaoyu, Research Fellow at the Center for Brics Studies the warmest welcome to both of you um, let me go to Professor Singh, first um, data shows that uh, brakes will overtake the G7. As I said, as an engine for growth, uh, it will contribute to 32 uh, percent of the world's growth, while the G7 will provide less than 30 percent this year. That's according to Bloomberg's calculation based on latest IMF uh, data. So, uh, what do you read from the data? Are we witnessing a rebalancing of world economic power?
1: Very clearly, as you mentioned just now, uh, BRICS when they started about a decade plus back, uh, they were about 10 percent of uh, global GDP. And now, you know, you can see that their contribution to global growth rates is now 30 percent. So, they were seen as emerging economies is one of the reasons why there is an enormous interest among several nations who want to join BRICS and become part and parcel of BRICS grouping. Second important element is that this is one of those very rare international multilateral groupings that has constantly has had its submit meetings. So, they have not been missing any year not to have even during the pandemic, for example, they continue to have online submit meetings. And in none of the submit meetings ever, any of the national leaders uh, were not able to join. So the consistency of their commitment to the grouping and the share in global growth rate uh, constantly going constantly going up uh, is clearly now uh, making BRICS in at least purchasing power parity a bigger grouping in terms of their collective GDP than even the advanced G7 nations. Second very important element, of course, is that China, along with its uh, being world's largest trading partner for most nations around the world, belt and road initiative leading to investments around the world. China has also been the leading voice from 2017 when we heard from uh, Wang Yi talking about uh, the BRICS Plus as a possibility, Friends of BRICS possibility. Uh, BRICS outreach then became a reality. China has been a leading voice in you know thinking of expansion of BRICS. More recently, Russia has also added their voice because of the Western sanctions and Ukraine war they also russia would like to expand the support base in that sense and the brics nations is one such platform which is a strong support mm-hmm. base for russia so in yeah. that sense because both china and russia are you know really interested in getting more members in and of course this is a very effective and emerging grouping is why all other nations wish to you know, also join brics as soon as they can and hopefully there is a, there are reports that maybe five countries Saudi Arabia, uh, Indonesia, UAE, Egypt and Argentina may join in this summit meeting in August.
0: So uh, let me go to Ms. Zhang for more uh, technical explanation, but perhaps what exactly does joining the BRICS or the platform mean for these countries? How loose or how closely knit is the organization? And what could explain the motivations of the nearly 20 countries that are very interested?
2: Thank you for having me here today. I think uh, for China, we uh, really consider BRICS block as an open and inclusive mechanism for all countries of the world to join. And for these uh, applicants, we can see that all these countries are from the developing worlds. So it is clear that these countries are expecting more efficient governance institutions. Or probably a chance to meet the challenge of the monopoly of the Western financial institutions and also the government uh, governance structures uh, for such a long time. So, for developing world or the global South, we actually expecting more. Uh, developing opportunities and also meet the challenges currently in the world, especially climate change, food crisis, and also the great demand of uh, development of the economy. So for these applicants, they want to be a member of a a, a BRICS block. Uh, That means that the world is going to be more uh, inclusive and a multi uh, sort of a multipolar Uh, economic structure for all of us to uh, see more promising and a prosperity in these applicants, also the developing world.
0: So right now, let me stay with you, Ms. Zhang, because you uh, specializes in this field and with more uh, probable insight can share with us on on how the system works. I mean, what specific benefits and Expertise can members extract from this platform that is dominated by developing countries. Uh, we have, for instance, G20, which includes both developing countries and developed countries. We have the United Nations with its various mechanisms. What makes what sets the BRICS apart from the other platforms?
2: Uh, for BRICS, uh, we have some specialty that all of the membership member countries at the moment are from the developing world. I think uh, that is a message to the developed world that we developing countries or the global south need a platform or a consensus or a sort of the, uh, common solution to meet the challenge of the current world. And also for the developing countries, we are expecting more opportunities from uh, economic sports. For instance, the new development bank. It has been founded in uh, 2012, that has been more than a decade. So uh, these countries now need more opportunities and also financial support to develop the local economies. And also the local currencies will be uh, encouraged to use by the, uh, the, the, the finance support from the NDB. So uh, in this uh, situation of de dollar duration at the moment, so these developing countries actually are expecting more financial independence and also diplomatic independence in this bloc,
0: Professor Singh, what is your take? Do you, how important is the prospect of de-dollarization um, for the members that are eyeing membership?
1: I think very clearly, you know, recent years have noticed a certain dichotomy emerging uh, Russia, China and the uh, BRICS and uh, SCO and some of these groupings being seen uh, at variance, if not in opposition to uh, mostly U.S.-led Western groupings. And therefore, there is a sense at least to you know restrain that inordinate power that dollar has had. Uh, even now, for example, 80, 80%, 88% actually of global trade still happens in uh, in U.S. dollar terms. About 60% of global uh, foreign exchange reserves are still in dollar terms. But there has constantly been efforts to make sure that United States doesn't kind of weaponize that advantage in some time, for example, punishing other countries like we are seeing sanctions on Russia right now. So that sense of uh, ensuring balance and restraint has led to initiatives before. For example, Euro in the European Union case was also an effort earlier like this. And now, of course, BRICS for quite some time has been debating on at least beginning with increasing use of local currencies. And then, of course, building some kind of consensus, if possible, on if there can be a BRICS currency. But that's a, that's a huge challenge because if you look at the size of economies within BRICS, China's economy is roughly, if I'm not exaggerating, three times the rest of the, all of them put together. So, in that sense, there is always some kind of a concern that other nations may have. Of that inordinate size and influence and power that leverage that china has and in that sense whether yuan or you know some other currency should actually potentially replace or at least become a parallel uh, currency for international trading but let me also underline brics is increasingly emerging as a successful example if there is any example which can withstand pressures of uh, dollarization in terms of at least already brics nations expanding a substantial amount of their trade between themselves at bilateral level, if not in multilateral format, using local currencies. There are some issues in that, for example, Indian and Russian trade in rupees. But if there is any alternative, I think BRICS is a great possibility here. But it's an uphill task. It's not going to be be an easy thing to de-dollarize.
0: Okay. Um, Ms. Zhang, what is your take? Some people are saying uh, BRICS countries share dislike of the greenback, but there are fundamental differences, quote-unquote, among the BRICS that are too wide to bridge.
2: Uh, Actually, from geography and also political systems, we have um, much divergences and also how to make an efficient institution uh, for this BRICS block. We have many ideas. Currently, we're under negotiations. Actually, it is very promising from my perspective that uh, we have a common consensus for development and also independence in diplomatic and economic decisions. So that is why we are here today in the common platform to see a better future, rather than to uh, live under the monopoly of the financial and governance institutions mm. what? in the current world.
0: Yeah, Ms. Tang. again, very briefly, 20 seconds if you can, what do you make of the French president's interest in getting invited as the first Western leader to be invited to a BRICS summit?
2: Uh, actually, uh, we are very glad to see the independent diplomacy from uh, France. And uh, we can see that Western leaders are not just uh, under the moto- monopoly of the uh, US led governance institution. Okay. So, uh, even Macron's coming will have a very great encouragement for the developing world that we have much more space to explore in uh, cooperation.
0: All right, we have to leave it there. Many thanks to Professor Swaran Singh joining us from India and Zhang Xiaoyu joining us here in Beijing. With that, we come to the end of this edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Liu Xin in Beijing. On behalf of the whole team, thanks for watching. You've got The Point.